Welcome back to Inside the Pastor's Study Podcast. I am Pastor Jeremy. And I'm Pastor George. And we are uh, returning back to you on another Monday. Uh, our This podcast, the goal of this podcast is to give you a window into what pastors chat about uh, throughout the week. And uh, you know, it gives you an opportunity to be a fly on the wall in the pastor's studies. We, we process um, the things that we're working through uh, in our church, also the things that we're just observing in our culture. And, uh, um, you know, some of those things, you know, are deeply rooted in our beliefs. Actually, all of it is, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes the, the object of our conversation has nothing to do really with church. It's just a filtering of what's going on in our world. And uh, so, yeah, that's the, uh, that's, uh, that's the goal of the podcast is just, you know, sit with us, hang out with us, grab your cup of coffee or, or cruise down the road and uh, process things as we process them. And uh, so uh, we're glad you're here with us today. We mentioned last week that um, we were, our, our pews, I think last time we were together, were yes, being removed. Yes, we're being removed. Yeah. Yes. Um, our our sanctuary is in the process of renovation, and um, we had some noise in the background, which I don't think there was a lot. You have to let us know. Um, but we had uh, some noise in the background as a group of teenagers were here removing those pews and bringing them over to their school to be used uh, for a second life. And this week... Um, our, our, all the walls are painted. They look beautiful. We had a number of people working on that throughout the week. And uh, I think we're waiting for carpet installers to show up. And they're only, I think, um, two hours late at this point. So they're right. doing great. So somewhere in the middle of our, we actually decided yeah. we, we were holding off on starting this uh, podcast in expectation of just noisy people walking in and making a lot of noise. And we thought, well, we'll hold off. Until they get here. Until they get here. And then... We decided that maybe we should just do this, and then they would come. So if yeah. you hear them in the background, we're happy. Yeah, to hear that noise. Yeah, that's we're hoping that this will usher them in. They'll know that now that we're starting a podcast, that they should come and make a lot of noise. Murphy's law of podcasting. <laughs> maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah. it is. Exactly. So we're, we're glad you're here with us, and uh, uh, we're actually we're we're part twoing a uh, a conversation that we had last week. Yes, so we are. if you are jumping in and joining us for the first time today, which we're so glad you did, um, you might want to go back an episode just to kind of catch up on the conversation that we're about to have here. So it's cool to pause at this moment, uh, go to the previous episode, download that, and then listen to that, and then come back. And you can download our podcast. I don't know where you've you found us. You may have found us through a shared Facebook post um, or, or through the iTunes store just a little plug, um, Spotify is doing a lot of work with podcasts lately, and um, they're becoming um, quite a, uh, a great provider of, of podcasts. So I'm not sure what app you're using, but consider Spotify. On, right now on either Apple or Spotify, you can rate the podcast, and it'd be really helpful if you gave us the full rating um, that gives us some more visibility. Um, but one of the cool things about Spotify now is you can be listening to it and you can share it directly from that app to your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed and uh, let friends know that you're listening to us. And uh, you can even um, mark certain spots and share those particular moments in the podcast with others. Um, so there's some cool, powerful uh, tools coming out from Spotify. I um, like Spotify. Yeah, down Good. the road here. Yeah, yeah um, down the road here, we have <clears throat> we have the equipment, not yet the knowledge base uh, to do this uh, podcast in video form, and, and that's a conversation we've been having. And uh, when we convert to doing that, we'll still be here in audio form. But if you listen through Spotify, you'd be able to watch us. Um, if you're in a space wow. to do that, and then you could actually just transfer right to the audio version. Like, so if you're watching us at your desk or at home, um, and we're just kind of part of the background conversation, and you can kind of check in and see us, um, and then you'd be able to just pick up your phone, get in your car, and go get the groceries, and we'd be right there with you audio form as well, which is cool stuff, right? Yeah. It's, it's neat that some of that stu- some of the things are um, evolving here in this space. So we're not yet there on video, but it's coming, and uh, we'll let you know when it's when it's ready, so that that's you know, so you can see what we look like if you if you're well, not part of the church. Well, at that point, they'll yeah? say, "Man, he doesn't look like anything like his voice." Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. That's usually how that works. Right. Yeah. So you have to let us know. But we're we're uh, we're glad you're along with us today, and uh, beginning this part two conversation on. Um, entertainment and how to pursue entertainment, how to filter entertainment, what to think as Christians about the entertainment that we do choose to consume. Uh, but that's coming a little bit. Before we get there, though, we want to talk about our theological term of the week. 
the theological term of the week. And this week, that term is... Marcionism. Marcionism. So the theological terms of the week of late have been um, controversies. Or, no, or heresies. Heresy, right, controversies leading to heresies. Yes. Yes, that's really what it is, right? They start as controversies. They yes. become, you know, after some filtering and thought and discussion and prayer and research and scriptures, become um, proven heresies. Yes. And uh, so these are the heresies. We're covering the early church heresies. And what I, well, if you've been along with us f- for this part of the conversation here in the last few weeks, you'll probably notice elements of these heresies that still leak into current theology. Yes, they do. And some of these have bred whole new religious movements. Yes. We've talked about how some of the heresies have circled back around and become things like the, the Mormon Church, the Jehovah's Witnesses. You know, Some of those things are rooted in very early heresies. Um, and then they got circled around and reintegrated in early American history. Yes. Um, and but other these heresies, some of them just leak into the way that we process scripture. And we, you know, we're coming up with what we think is a new and fresh idea on a passage we've read, bef- you know, that we we're reading. Um, but somebody else probably already had that idea, and the church as a whole has already processed that idea and said, mm, "No, no, that's yes. wrong." Yeah. Right. So. Um, is that one of the ones that we're dealing with today or something like that? What, so, what's our word? So our word is Marcionism, and, and Marcionism has uh, very early church roots. Uh, in some ways, yes, there is a leak here. Mm-hmm. Um, in other ways, there's almost that there are times there are, is a reverse Marcionism that I've seen. Um, uh, Marcionism deals with uh, what is it, what, what is the New Testament made up of? How do I know that a book is in the New Testament? And, and it comes from the concept of Marcion was a, he was a very pro-Paul person. Okay. Okay. So Marcion thought that, uh, that Paul was the only true apostle and the only true writer. Interesting. So no gospels? No. Well, so there's, here's, here's well, how only this Luke. works. Only Luke huh. in the Marcion canon. So you have so Marcion has Luke and the letters of Paul, and that's all he has in his New Testament canon because he thinks, he thinks Paul is the only one worth reading. So he gets rid of Matthew and Mark uh, and John, especially John. Uh, Marcion totally... John is pretty completely different. ...completely rejects anything written by John. So he, write, he rejects John, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation, uh, all of those Johannine pieces, he says, they're, they're not scripture, only Paul. So only... Wow, I'm trying to imagine our scriptures without Revelation. Like, yeah. what would the church look like? What would it, well, you know, we wouldn't have any movies. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you, you can't do a movie of Romans. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So Somebody's tried. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll get into that conversation here. That might be part of the entertainment. Might be. Might be, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, so so Marcin just says, "Ah, man, I'm I'm only going to stick to what what Paul says. Mm -hmm. So... Did he have Hebrews? No. No, because you couldn't couldn't affirm that it truly was Paul. Okay. Right? I, I tend to think it is Paul. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, the reason we ha- we struggle with it is because all of the other Pauline literature that we have is a an epistle or a letter form, mm-hmm. and I don't think that Hebrews is actually an epistle. Uh, I think it's a sermon. Right. So because it's a sermon, it has a different feel. It has a different. There's it, a reason it feels different from normal Paul there, stuff. Exactly. It's because it's his right. It's his. It's his speech, not his writing. Exactly. Yeah. It's almost this is how you would hear Paul. This is how you would hear Paul preach. Mm-hmm. So that, that's a very interesting perspective. But yeah, only Paul. So his response to the response to Marcion is is it from a man named Origen, um, and Origen writes back and he says basically, Marcion, you're a fool. <laughs> Uh, and he affirms, uh, Origen affirms all of the 27 books of the New Testament. He, he identifies each and every one of them and why you would consider them New Testament canon. Um, and interestingly enough, you know, in a, in a connected controversy, Origen is one of our first authors at about 200 AD who actually affirms uh, 
um, that the order of the Gospels is the order in which they are written. So he affirms Matthew is the first Gospel, Mark hmm. as the second Gospel written, Luke is the third Gospel written, and John written as, as the last or the final mm-hmm. of the four Gospels. So mm-hmm. origin, so we, that's 200, so that's, that's maybe 100 years after... Uh, John is written, mm-hmm. he affirms this is the order and this is the order in which they were written. So Origen steps out and puts those four books in order. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he affirms every other New Testament book uh, that's in the, all 27. So even books that... Uh, even like Philemon and... Even books like Philemon, uh, Hebrews, which we've already yeah. mentioned, has a struggle because uh, Hebrews doesn't have an authorship identified. Right. James has the struggle that... Uh, is it James, the is brother it, of Jesus, is or is it, it... Well, it's beyond that. It's, yeah. it's, it's how do I handle the... Um, how do I handle James chapter 3, where it says that, uh, that uh, my works demonstrate my relationship with Christ? Doesn't mm-hmm. that sound a lot like works salvation? Hmm. And there are a lot of people who struggle with the book of James because of that, re- failing to identify... Uh, that what James is saying is that the gospel changes me and it changes my works. Right. Right? So there was, a, there was an issue with that for many years. So there are books in the New Testament that have question marks on them, uh, but Origen responding to Marcion says, no, there are no question marks. So here's where we are. Here, here's a way that I've seen this applied as an issue, even currently. Hmm. There is a, uh, a sect... I'm going to call them a sect of, I would even call them a sect of evangelical Christianity. Okay. That's right? a narrow, that narrows the field a bit. Yep. Yeah. Who, um, who are actually in the process, who actually kind of reject, um, they reject the Old Testament. Marcion rejected the Old Testament. Hmm. Marcion says that the Old Testament is about an, a different God, hmm. interestingly enough. So I, a lot I, of people live that way. Yes, yeah, and a lot of, a lot of, here, a lot it's, of pastors. Here's my toes, ready? <laughs> is this a, the weekly? Uh, a lot moment? of pastors preach that way. Yeah. Well, they only preach. They yeah. only preach the New Testament. I was just, I was, as you were describing this earlier, I was thinking through some big names who have only spent like their. It seems like they've spent their entire careers in like Romans and yeah. not gone anywhere else. Yeah. 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 So uh, you know. It's kind of like Craig Rochelle's statement, you know, uh, about being a um, uh, a Christian atheist. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. Christian atheist is someone who says he believes in Christ, but never acts like they actually believe in him. Yeah. You know, so if if you if you say that you believe in Scripture, you should probably preach from all you of it. Probably should preach from all of it. Yeah. And not just allude to a verse here and there. You you actually probably should have the t- take the time to actually open up the Old Testament, read mm-hmm. it, and preach it because it's God's word. Right. Right. So Marcion Marcion removes the Old Testament. He removes everything but Paul. Uh, and there there are this sect of I'm going to call them evangelical Christians. Um, they actually only preach from the new. Not only do they only preach from the New Testament. They only focus on the Gospels. In fact, their theology states that everything that happened in the Gospels can happen today. Hmm. And they are, they, of course, so therefore they believe in miracle working. Mm-hmm. They believe in uh, demons being cast out. Uh, I have even, uh, I'm even aware of situations where they have had uh, resurrection services at funerals hmm. in the eager expectation that since Jesus was raised from the dead and since Lazarus was raised from the dead, that the individual in the coffin filled with embalming fluid mm-hmm. is going to be raised from the dead. I mean, Lazarus was probably theoretically filled with... Could be, yes. Yeah. yeah. I guess, I guess. Of course, the individual, the individual in this particular sake was actually not only were they filled with embalming fluid, but they had... Not had many other things. They had died in a very terrible accident, and so they were also... um, They also... Did they significant reconstruction work? Yeah, they had also had a full autopsy, which means that... um, that 
oh man, this is terrible, but basically everything inside was in a plastic bag. Yeah. So, you know. Should have given like a kid in the car trigger warning on that one. God can do. Sorry, friends. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. God can do anything. (laughs) God can do anything. But what is he going to do with that plastic bag? That is the question. So, um, yeah, I mean, so there are folks who, in a sense, are practicing Marcionites because they reject the New Testament. They look at, I mean, so Marcion accepted Paul, right, and rejected everything else. But are we just as guilty when we accept only the Gospels and reject everything else? Or Yeah, that's a popular move, I think, with a lot of, we'll call them my contemporaries in theology, you know, so late late Gen Xer, boomer, not, not boomers, late Gen Xer through millennial theology, where there is this um, uh, just a deep, deep affinity for Jesus, which is wonderful. Yes. Um, but Jesus is, like the, the Jesus of the Gospels is used in such a way as to explain away the, um, the anger of the Old Testament God. Right, right. And, um, you know, you, you, you know, a lot of my contemporaries, they will cringe at the anger of the Old Testament God. And a lot of us will without, like, real understanding there of what's going on. But they will explain away everything in the Old Testament um, through Jesus. And it's, I don't know that it's always a, um, a fair explanation, right? Like right. it sells short the full character of God. Right. And, uh, you know, and that's another, maybe that's an extension of this where, you know, there's, there's even book, there have been books written. One of my favorites actually on church culture in the early 2000s was They Love Jesus But Not the Church. Yes. And, uh, um, you know, and that, that, that was a big piece of my, of, of my culture and of, of my demographic, right? And, um, you know, and, and that, that is really a, an extension of this, where they love a particular portion of scriptures and the way in which it describes Jesus, but they, they're not taking the full view of scriptures and how it describes our God. Right, right. right. And so that's, that's right. where we can get into trouble. Right, and when you reject, when you reject the epistles... Mm-hmm. Then how do you... How do you... So, you know... Right, yeah, there's a lot of that too, sure. So take, for example, here's what Jesus says in John 16. He says that the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to amplify Jesus. Mm -hmm. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, John 16 says, he will not speak of himself, but that which he speaks will speak of me, is what the scripture says. So therefore, when you read Paul and John and James and Peter... Their job is to amplify Jesus, mm-hmm. and that's what they do. So if you really want to know Jesus, you have to read the Gospels, but you also have to read all of the epistles because they tell you who Jesus really is. And, and without Paul, you don't know Jesus. Right. You know, without John, you don't know Jesus. But also, without Jeremiah, you don't know Jesus. Right. So I feel like, you know, I'm just drawing all these parallels to ways in which we flirt with this heresy. And I think one of the things we also do is we, you know, we're already, we're already talking about this, but we gradiate scripture, right? Yeah. Like we have, we have books or passages that are really easy to understand and transfer into our current worldview and our current lifestyle. And then there are books and passages that are more challenging to work with, or they're just, you know, they don't interest us as much or whatever. And so those get um, like a lesser priority. And so we have, we have favorites and we play favorites with scripture. Yes. And I, I understand that part. You're allowed to have favorites, but what that can lend itself to is this place is, is getting to a place where we only, you know, view certain parts as real scripture and other parts are like lesser scripture, right? right? Where right. They, they only exist to support something that I'm trying to explain in this key passage. Or we only get the, like, the bumper sticker verses. We spend all of our time focusing on the bumper sticker verses or the tweetable verses, and we miss all of the context around it. And so we pick and choose what we want from scripture without taking the whole of it into account. Exactly. Right? And, right. and, and so 
you know, that all of those things can fall under the same banner of heresy, really. Right. Are where, we any better than yeah, Marcion? Yeah, where we're going to, you know, I, I'm only going to talk about these pieces of Scripture, and these are the ones I'm going to memorize at the expense of all of this other, all of these other things. And I will have those verses memorized, and I'll know them, but I will have no idea what the writer of that verse was saying in the rest of the paragraph or the rest of the chapter. I will just know. That you know, God has a plan for me to prosper, right? And I, you know, I'll, you know, that's it. Like I got it, and now I can graduate from high school. And so, you know, we do all those things, and it's just it's a dangerous place to be. We need to we need to know our Bibles, yes, and we yes. need to value yes. our scriptures, and we need to be in our scriptures, and uh, and know where everything fits, right, 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 or else we're in danger of being in the same place. Yep, absolutely. All right, Marcionism. Marcionism, theological term of the week. The theological term of the week. So, we're part twoing now. We're, we're transitioning into this conversation about entertainment. Yes. And you uh, were saying we were, we were both sitting here trying to remember exactly what we were talking about. I wrote down that we were going to do a part two on this conversation, so we were trying to remember part one. Um, some of you were like, "Well, it's I just been listened a long to it. week." Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Some of you were like, "I just listened to an hour ago. I can tell you all about it." That's awesome. Thanks Good. for streaming us. Um, you know, but the, uh, um, yeah, as we were working through this, what were we talking about? And so, um, I think some of this was inspired off of the, the Oscars happening and nobody had watched the Oscars. I mean, if you're here, this is, you know, be a fun poll. Like what percentage of people listening to this podcast, um, saw the now famous slap, slap live around the world. Yeah. How yeah. many people saw that live? Like six, seven people in the world saw that happen live who weren't like in the Wasn't it audience even after it 11 o'clock Eastern time. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't it, know any of these things. It, I just see yeah. memes. Um, so we've talked all about the slap heard around the world, but we don't, you know, the whole thing about the Oscars, we were saying like, nobody watched these things. Nobody. Wa- in fact, there were a bunch of movies that were listed. Normally, I feel like normally I've seen a good chunk of the movies at the Oscars, except for like the foreign language ones. But you know, like right. the, a lot, a lot of times, like those, the at least the films that are nominated for Best Picture, I've seen like half of those. I don't even know what films were nominated this past year, well, or what film won. Wasn't there a thing a couple of years ago where they said that to be nominated for Best Picture, people had people actually had to pay to see the movie, like there was. <laughs> There had to be you a need certain to be in the theater. There's a certain amount of screens that was shown. The, yeah, certain number of screens, certain amount of certain amount of money that was brought in by that movie to actually qualify. Ooh, money would be interesting. I think it was screens. I think screens? it had to be okay. some, a certain amount of screens in in the theater. And I remember I remember so this then, happening. No, so like, if it was on screens, but nobody was in the room, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It would count. It would oh, still count. Man. I remember seeing something about this. Um, Conan O'Brien, not long after he retook over the sh- the show on NBC um, after Jay's second retirement. Um, he had like some sort of documentary, and I remember him making a joke about wheeling televisions into movie theaters and just hitting play on his documentary so he could qualify. His documentary could qualify for documentary Oscar because yeah. it needed to be seen on a certain amount of screens. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if that's changed because of COVID or anything, but that that was a rule at one point. But so okay, so this this isn't this isn't a theological thing, but this this is kind of a. And hey, amazing we get to go anywhere. Me, it's right, our podcast. Right? Yeah. So yeah, it's our podcast. <laughs> um, this is something that has always like annoyed me about the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no standard for quality. Like, um, is it? Is it? Think about movies that have made Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so best picture, that means that this was the absolute best movie of that year. Mm-hmm. What if you have a stinko year for movies? Right. Right? So, I you mean, know, you could probably look back on the list of best picture Oscars and know. Exactly. You know, like, uh, all right, so um, a movie like Gone with the Wind, which, mm-hmm. I don't know, probably can't, can't talk about that one anymore. It's yeah. probably, in, you know, in cancel culture, but... A movie like Gone with the Wind, is that really as good as, um, I, I don't even know, I can't even tell you what the best picture was last year, let alone this year. The winner for this past year was Nomadland. All right. I'd never even heard of it. Was it as good as, was it as good as um, Patton 
Was it as good as, uh, was it as good as Gone with the Wind? Was it as good as, these, there's, there's this soft standard, right? Right, because it's just compared, I mean, this it's is, just we talk about this in the church, right? You can't compare things against other things. You've got to compare them against a consistent standard. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like there should be years when uh, Hollywood comes to the Oscars and says, these five movies were nominated for Best Picture, and none of them won because they all stunk. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> wow, I've heard of, like, a couple of these. Interesting. So what are so you're looking at? The I'm looking movies, at the list that was nominated. The nominated for best picture. So you, yeah. But, okay. So but wasn't there a wasn't there some kind of woke thing done here like this for best picture this year? Like it wasn't well, just the movies that. Well, had, they had to change things because people weren't in theaters. Well, yeah, but I'm, I think there was more to it. I think there was like you know they had to be, they had to have certain. Quotas that were met and and oh man, I don't and, even know. Possibly, yeah. And you know, we had to be more worldly thinking. So, wasn't there like a movie nominated from like South Korea because well, that was a couple of years ago that won? That won, yeah. 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 Did anybody see it? Uh, I mean, or was it just like empty screens? <laughs> afterward, a lot of people saw it, and apparently, it was a good. It, I heard that it actually was a really good movie, but yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I forget the name of it now. See, if, how if good I was have it? to go to if if I have to go to a movie theater and read, <laughs> you're not uh, interested. You know, <laughs> hey, the longest day was tough for me, man. <laughs> I mean, all those German subtitles. Yeah. Come on. Well, I mean, and, and West, the new West Side Story. Mm-hmm. That I think that was one of the nominees. Okay, the woke West Side Story. Uh huh. Um, in addition to struggling with the portrayal of 1959. New York City, because it was, like, close to my heart. Um, I just kind of, I mean, what were they saying? I, my Spanish stinks. So, All right. and there, you know, they were You like, could have read then. Then yeah, you would have been no, better off. Yeah, I would have been better off, but they didn't subtitle it. Yeah. So I'm just kind of sitting there. So there's, like, a, a whole section of the movie that I'm like, I guess this is where I go for popcorn. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so... I mean, yeah, it's tough. And I think you're right. The, the, the standards all over we're the place. We're Americans and we're monoglots. <laughs> That's true. It is hard. Um, so there are certain people who were I mean, entertained by that. That's awesome. Sure. Um, and, I, you know, I guess this is the challenge. And this is kind of where we wanted to go with the podcast today is how do we pick our entertainment? And is there, are there spiritual consequences to the particular types of entertainment that we choose? Um, and are there things there's are there some things out there that are just benign like go ahead and pick it it's fine no big deal so yes and no so here so here there's there's been a quote floating around lately um, by a guy named uh, Andrew Breitbart uh-huh. who was a he was kind of a firebrand publisher slash uh, journalist slash conservative anyway all of those things. Uh, Breitbart's quote is that politics is downstream of culture. Mm-hmm. So, so what his what he's saying is, if you look at the political world, the political world really is just reacting to the cultural world around us. And if the cultural world around us is a swamp, then politics is going to be a swamp. So, I would add to Breitbart. Because I would say that culture is downstream of religion, for lack of a better word. Let's put it, culture is downstream of our relationship with Christ. So if Christ is affecting our world, then our culture will reflect our world. Our politics and our entertainment will reflect our world. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, if Christ is not the influencer of culture, then entertainment becomes difficult. I have a play toy. I was just taken away. <laughs> if you saw it this, mic show, yeah. if, if, if you, you're watching this, if, if you were we watching, this slide, if you were watching, yeah, you, you would have seen me, seen take me the <laughs> yeah. tissue box away. Right. So, yeah, so what I'm saying here is without Christ... There is an effect on culture and entertainment and politics. Mm-hmm. 
because Christ is the influencer of all of those things. Mm-hmm. If Christ is involved in, in our world, mm-hmm. and we, uh, even within our world, allow it to affect our culture, mm-hmm. then it affects our entertainment. It makes it, here's, here's the issue, right? Here's the thing. The more our world puts Christ out of our, inter- put out, puts Christ out of our culture, the more difficult it's going to be to find entertainment that's suitable. Sure, I could, I could totally get behind that. Um, yeah, I was thinking about um, the quote I had heard before from somebody who was like a, uh, he's like a researcher on, on movies and culture. He talked about how the Oscars, like the best picture Oscar is where culture might be going and the box office winner is where culture is. Oh, okay. Um, as just kind of like a, a barometer of, of understanding where culture's going and what it's doing. Um, but yeah, like there's definitely a, sp- we, you know, I think what you're saying, is there's a spiritual component to our entertainment. Yeah. And um, whether you're a Christian or not, I guess, um, but especially for the believer, there should be at least a filter that is engaged whenever you're consuming entertainment. And that filter, you know, if, if if the world is going further and further away from Jesus and a respect for the values of Scripture, at some point it's going to be harder and harder for us as Christians to consume what the world is producing. Yes, yeah, and I think this is where. So so he, here's a clash. Here's a clash the, with the rest churches. of the world. I just saw this. Like the rest of the world is also having a trouble though because. The, re- the thing you can't escape is that God is real and that truth is his. And so I just read um, that the combined income from all of the Oscar winners since their nominations, um, so this was six or seven films, the combined income since they're nominated. And there's always a bump in income after a film's been nominated. Right, right. Because right? you have to go see it. Why did they nominate yeah, that what, movie? Yeah, what was that movie? I never even heard of it. Let me yeah. go watch it. $10 million. Really? They only, all of them combined, since their announcement, only made $10 million. In comparison, the, the article I just scrolled through said that the movie you were referencing earlier, which was called Parasite, that South Korean film, yes. grossed $7.5 million in four weeks after its announcement. Because they were like, oh, what's that movie? And they went and, lo- they went and watched it. Yeah, yeah. And that was out of the theaters at the time. I had to go back into screens. People had to find it. Right. Um, so the, the, all of these... So what I'm saying is, like, there's this point in which... The artists are so far removed from culture that the culture is no longer interested in their art, which yeah. is going to be interesting here. Um, but there's a lot of factors on this right now. Like co- the COVID thing has been a big factor. It, it, people haven't gone to movie theaters in two years, and and a lot of that is because there's nothing. There's not been anything in the movie theaters to convince people to go. Well, don't get. I mean, so and, wasn't uh, wasn't one of the movies nominated for best picture like a Netflix? Only movie? Yeah, don't look up. Which is a strange. That was a, they've changed that. Like that was the the, the you know that was um, liberalism's comment. Com- right. You know commentary on right. Which Trump. By the way, which I is think. interesting. Yeah. Also, um, so people don't. Maybe, maybe this is you know one of those trivia things that's pretty crazy. But there was actually a uh, a movie that won best picture. Back in the early, early 1960s, called Marty, mm-hmm. starred Ernest Borgnine. It was a made for TV movie. Hmm. It was the only made for TV movie to actually win an Oscar. Interesting. Yeah. It's usually synonymous with not very good. Yeah, usually that's where B movies go yeah. these days. So, anyway, we're talking about, I, I think what we're trying to talk about is how do we consume all this stuff? How do we consume all this stuff? How do we decide stuff, right? what to watch and what not to right. watch? And my problem is, like, I don't see, especially in the movie world, I don't see Christian content as a good alternative. No. And this no. is this is a thing where I, I know I, I know this is a conflict. <laughs> Controversy number two. Yeah, it's my turn. Yeah. It's my turn yeah. for a controversial hot take. But I I have n- never seen a satisfying Christian film. Never. And some of that is because I have this history of being disappointed or or even kind of like eked out or like weirded out by Christian films that I just don't watch them now. And so you're all making these lists of great Christian yeah, movies like, that you've Yeah, watched. but have you seen? No, I haven't. 
I'm not going to give it a chance. Like the 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 genre. Like I have I have dipped my toe back in the genre over on occasion over the last 15 years, and it's poor. Yeah. You know what it is? It's story char- It's storyline. It, it, well, because we have they're this, so they're so everybody has to get saved. Boilerplate. There has to be this great huge emotional moment. You know, like it's just it's just not good art. No. Um, and I struggle. I struggle with it. It's not good art. And I, and yeah, there have been some commercial successes, but even the commercial successes, there's a film studio that, that you know has done has made some commercially successful Christian films right. over the last 10, 15 years. And even those, like, they leave me wanting for better stuff. And so um, some of you have loved it, and that's awesome. That's, that's great. great. Um, I'm, not, I'm not telling you not to go consume Christian art. I, I think it, you know, that's fine. Right. But it's just it hasn't done anything for me. Um, so here's the thing. So we were talking about art. It, it lacks art, but it also lacks compelling art. Uh, so, for example, a movie like Star Wars mm-hmm. was hot, was panned in 1977 Seven. when it came out because it was it was campy. It was you know it didn't have any big name stars. It was just it was the reviewers all called it awful, mm-hmm. right? It, it it may have won some Oscars for. Uh, for uh, special effects, special effects, right? Yeah, but the acting was the acting, the storyline, all of that. The it, it, it was nowhere near Oscar movies, mm-hmm. right? And it's kind of the qualification that you're talking about here, where you know the box office one is where culture really is. The mm-hmm. the the, the Oscars Oscar winner going, is yeah. where it's going. Everybody loved Star Wars yeah. in 1977 because it was it was a connection to America. Yeah, right. People loved it. Was it great art? No. No. Uh, you know, at this point, I've, I've watched episode four a gazillion times. I still love it. I, 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 I can if it's quote, on, you'll get stuck I, watching it. I will it, get yeah. stuck watching it, right? It's, it's just great. It's compelling drama. It's terrible art. I mean, uh, what, what's his name? Um, Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill, uh, I, he is. He should be like. He should be nominated for every Raspberry Award every year. He, <laughs> he, he was just. He was just not an actor. Mm-hmm. Still isn't an actor. His yeah. his. I loved him as the jo- as the Joker though. See, I didn't see that. Or one. Scarecrow? Which one was he? In the cartoon in the '90s that I grew oh, up on, the Batman cartoon. He did a lot of voiceover. He did a voiceover. Lots stuff. of yeah, voiceover. Those it, fun. So, I mean, some of these guys, some of these people go to voiceover acting and mm-hmm. they're great at it, but he's just not there. So, <laughs> um, so here's, here's part of what we're talking about with entertainment. You know, mm-hmm. do I enjoy it? Yeah. Well, here's, here's the deal. Um, God has made us emotional beings who comprehend and understand pleasure and joy. Mm-hmm. All right. Do I enjoy it? All right. There's, there's a theory. Yeah, you know, we, uh, uh, my wife and I were watching a uh, uh, a Marvel series recently. Yeah, I feel like the Marvel movies or even the series that have come after are good examples of this, where they're they're enjoyable, like right. they're they're entertaining. They're, right, they're not necessarily art. Right, um, in the sense of like it's you know, good it's going story. to call you to something else, to some deeper level of understanding of the world or of your understanding of yourself. But which it, is something maybe we should get back to. Yeah. But go ahead. But it's but you you laugh, you you know, you, you experience a series of emotions over the course of a film or a series, and afterwards you feel some level of catharsis because you've experienced several different emotions in this compacted scene or this compacted moment. And that feels good. It right. feels good to exercise your emotions right. every once in a while right. and to sit on the couch while you're doing it. So uh, this series, though, turned very gruesome. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, it made us uncomfortable mm-hmm. in its in its um, just in its um, portrayals of stuff, mm-hmm. and we 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 couldn't finish couldn't finish the program. It was just too gruesome for us. Right? We lost the joy of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, are there other, other things where we find joy? Sure. All right. God has made us as beings who understand emotion and joy. He also has made us people who have thresholds of pain that we can't, cannot uh, cross. And I, I think that there are, there are characteristics of our entertainment that where, where those things are being pushed. And, you know, so going back to what you were just saying about Marvel movies and the catharsis and the elements of uh, various emotion without freighting a lot of uh, other stuff in, I think one of the things that has hurt entertainment is that entertainment seems to think that they have to create a morality hmm. that isn't necessarily the morality of, well, I know that it's not the morality of Christianity, and I think that it's a morality that's separate from a lot of people. Yeah. Which, again, like, and it's actually creating what I think is the same problem that Christian film can create. Yeah. Like we're, if something doesn't feel authentic to a, a viewer's experience, then it creates just this moment of dissonance um, that draws you out of the story. Right. 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 This is the problem. Like if you want to create a, a, an you want, if you want to create a movie that people are going to connect with, um, you need to be able to minimize those moments of dissonance. Um, and yeah, and so like that, man, there's a lot of different avenues for this conversation. I'm just realizing this now. Um, but um, that is a challenge for the, for the artist here. Like, and I think that's one of the things that people have to kind of decide early on in the making process or the creating process is what do I want the people consuming my art to do with what I'm making? Like, do I want them, I mentioned this earlier, do I want the people who consume this art to leave changed or do I want them to consume this art and leave happy or, in, you know, like they've just experienced a moment of, right. of you know. It, are you there to tell like, a story? Am, am I telling a story that's going to change the world or am I telling a story that's going to entertain the world? Right, <laughs> right. And, you know, to some extent this, this enters into may, maybe a little bit of, a difference in how you and I preach, for example, mm. right? I, I'm an education preacher. Mm. I, my objective is when I'm preaching is to give uh, specific points, you know, hang your hat on this, hang your hat on this, hang your hat on this, apply them, put them into effect, change your life. Mm-hmm. Whereas you are more of a storyteller type of preacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you approach, your, you have your point, you're going to f- focus on your point, tell a story about your point, uh, connect your point back to the people that you're listening to because you're telling, you're, you're building this wholeness of story. Right. And, and there, there's, we're just different yeah. in the way we preach. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of the way movies have become in a sense is the story now is, is focused on changing people. Yeah, I think that's the case for a lot of the things that are coming out of, you know, we'll call Hollywood now, right? Like, there, it, it feels subversive. It, a lot of the things that I've seen of late, it feels like there is an agenda beyond just the entertainment of, you know, or even beyond that. It, it feels like there's an agenda beyond just telling a good story. Right. Because culture is downstream of faith. So if faith is influencing culture, that it influences what comes out of the culture. Mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of living in an entertainment world right now where everything is counterculture. Hmm. It used to be, you know, back, back when I'm, back in my day, back in the, you know, <laughs> back in the 70s, back in the 80s, countercultural stuff was rare. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it made the scene. It it was it was people people focused on the counterculture because it was so different and distinctive. So, um, you know, I, I remember I remember when really atrocious words, just oaths and 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 vulgarities, started making their way into movies, mm-hmm. um, and and people didn't like it. Hmm. But there were people who would actually go to see certain movies because. 
vulgarity was involved. Yeah. And, and there was a time, so, so this is kind of another interesting thing with, with entertainment and art. You know, you have to use certain words to get an R rating. Mm-hmm. And there were, this became very popular when that rating system came out. You would actually rewrite, they would re- rewrite a line to put in a vulgarity that would move the rating up to an R rating because they thought R-rated movies was the right way to play. play yeah, the, it would sell more tickets. Right? R-rated movies have never sold more tickets. Yeah. I think the biggest moneymaker is the PG-13 range, right? Right. Well, actually, PGs, because oh, you're going yeah. to get kids, All the right? Kids. yeah. Which used to be the G rating, but, you know, G, PG, you don't see G-rated movies anymore. I don't, I don't, yeah, even a lot of the animated stuff is... It's PG yeah. now, because they've, they've... So it's PG because in woke culture, we've now changed what we want to warn parents about. Because, you know... Right, certain things are now unacceptable culturally, and before were things we overlooked. Because faith is, because culture is downstream of faith, mm-hmm. right? And one of the things that has happened in our culture is that we've changed our faith. Mm-hmm. We're no longer founding our lives on Christ mm-hmm. and on Scripture. We have, I remember reading this article in um, New Yorker magazine. So this was a dozen years ago. New Yorker magazine ran an article about um, the new moralists. Mm, mm-hmm. And basically the article was about how there was a new standard for morality and this morality was uh, just, it was foundational to the way people, th- people thought and act. And that morality had a different morality base than the old moral base of evangelical or, or the Judeo-Christian, of ethic. The Judeo-Christian yeah. ethic. So now we have a new morality. And the, in the new morality, things, you know, things are, it's immoral. I, I'm going to be sarcastic here. This is sarcasm. <laughs> Turn on your sarcasm meter. Um, it is immoral to throw a plastic straw on the ground because it could get washed down the drain and get stuck in the nose of a turtle. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's immoral. Right. So the new morality says plastic is immoral. Mm-hmm. So PG movies are going to be PG movies because, uh, and again, sarcasm. PG movies are going to be PG because there's going to be poor use of plastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, um, uh, tobacco use is wrong. Mm-hmm. I I agree, okay? I kind of agree. I agree from a different perspective. There's often an overlap between the new morality and the old morality. Mm-hmm. Um, tobacco use is wrong. I, I, I don't doubt that. But in the new morality, I'm going to warn you that some character from 45 years ago, 50 years ago, that's 70 years ago when 70% of the population in the United States were, were tobacco users... I'm going to warn you because there's a cigar used in the yeah. smoke, right. smoked in this movie, right? right? And I don't want you to be triggered by that. I, right. I want you to understand this is a terrible thing. Yeah. So we've got a whole new definition of terrible. Now, the same movie may contain some individual who is using an unbelievably profane statement. Mm-hmm. And that won't get it, that necessarily get that rating. We're abusively using the name of the Lord in vain. Mm-hmm. But that's not why it was PG. It's PG because there's... A, Somebody who smokes a cigar. Yep. Or there will be a, a relationship that doesn't follow traditional Judeo-Christian standards. And, and that, that's okay. And that will be fine. That'll get you, that's, that's acceptable. That's how life should be. Right. 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 Yeah. So, so that won't get it a bad rating, but some other things will. So, so cultures down... Yeah. So what you have then here is you have a struggle as a believer because I, I think that there's room for entertainment, but there's also this understanding that culture is communicating a value system that you may or may not agree with. Right. Right. You have to determine what your level of, of tolerance is. Yeah. So I think all of, we've kind of been all over the place this morning we have. on this. I'm but sorry. I think the, the, um, the basis of where we're getting with all of this is that just because a certain film or TV show or music album has a certain rating doesn't mean you can necessarily trust the rating because no. we're working from different foundations. Totally different foundations. Right? So if you're a Christian, 
I, I think as a Christian, like, you have the liberty to enjoy just about any kind of entertainment that exists. Yes. Um, but you should do so with your brain turned on. Always. And you should filter what you're watching and decide is this, you know, what is the artist trying to communicate through this art? And should, is, is this something that I should continue to enjoy or not? Um, those are good questions to always ask. Um, but then there are some tools that exist or some practices that exist that I think are worth considering um, as you're going down this road of should I consume this art or not, particularly in movies. And, and, you know, movies are tough. I mean, back in your day as a Christian, you couldn't even go to a movie because you had right. so little control over what was going to be shown. Right. And, and, and nobody knew what you were necessarily at the theater watching. And so what right. if somebody saw you coming out of the theater, then they would think that anything in the theater was okay. Like there was this whole thing. Yes. And thankfully we've moved past that a bit. Um, but there is, you know, as a, as a believer, there is still this idea, right, that, like, once I go into a movie theater, I'm kind of held captive to the film. It's really hard to get up and walk out. I've done it, but it's yes. hard to do. Um, and so what, do you, what are some tools that you can use in advance um, before you sit down as a family to watch a film or before you go to the theater to watch a film? Um, what, are some th- what are some practices before you get there? So one of the things that my wife and I do on this is we use a, a website called... Um, um, well, there's a couple of them. Uh, IMDb actually does this does now. Does some of it, yeah. Um, uh, Kids in Mind is one, and then Focus on the Family. Um, yeah, what was the name of their... Uh, oh, I used to use it all the time w- when you guys were young to determine whether this was a movie worth going to. Hold on. Plugged In. Plugged In. Pluggedin.com. Okay. That's a good one to start with. Um, Pluggedin.com yeah. will do a review of every book, TV show, movie that comes out. Right, and, and you can, and they'll go overboard because there are, yeah, uh, because there are overboard parents out there. There are, and so like the idea here is that you're going to be able to um, know what's going on in the film before you go see it. Yes, and and you're going to read this with your filter on. You're going to re- you're going to filter plugged in, like you're going to filter everything else in the world. Uh, you're going to read the review, and you're going to say. Eh. I think the author kind of took this a little too far, and I'm okay with this. Yes. Or you're going to read it and say, oh, oh, goodness. I'm so glad I didn't waste my money going to see this. Or I can't believe that I had that, this sort of scene snuck in there. Like You have all of those options that you can get to in advance. The other thing that's really great um, about um, things like this is there are talking points that you can pull out of. So if you're going to see something with your kids, um, you can see some of the positives and the negatives in advance so that when you experience them together as a family, you can leave afterwards right. and say, hey, what did you think about this particular moment or right. that scene or that statement? Do you think and that you Ariel's disobedience of her father really was good because it ended up well in the movie? Or do you think that it normally ends up poorly? Yeah. Or do you, yeah. Do you think yes. that, the, you know, what would you, what, you know, what, how should she have operated differently? Like yes. you can have some of these conversations. So that's a good way to, you know, that's a good thing to incorporate, especially with families who are, who have kids in the house. Like you're responsible for them, whether they're two years old or 18 years old and they're still living in the house. You've got, you know, you have some, something there. Even if you're out there listening to this and you have grown kids out of the house, right? And you're, they're talking about films. You can still be familiar with these films that they're yeah. seeing and have these conversations. Oh, you know what? I was reading a review on that. Um, I heard about this. Like, you saw it. What did you think? Right? Great conversation starters. Right. Or even just even having the conversation. So go see the movie. Because mm-hmm. here's the other thing. I've noticed. Here's a, I'm going to throw a couple of things at you. One of them is. I think that there are times when uh, movie studios will release a statement about something that's going to be terrible in this movie just to get the buzz. Mm-hmm. Because they want you to go see it and see if it really was as bad as it was. And nine times out of ten, it isn't. Yeah, it was let just me, enough to get so people So let me give you seats. the case. Here's a case in point, right? So there is a scene in the live-action Beauty and the Beast that was touted because there was going to be a cross-dressing moment hmm. where a, a character is, is cross-dressing. All right, so what actually happens in the movie is 
that they this several townspeople during the fight scene get attacked by the wardrobe and when they get kicked out of the wardrobe one of the guys is dressed in a dress mm-hmm. interestingly enough that, i went back and that watched scene was in the original cartoon too, i watched the it? original animated version same scene exactly the same thing happened yeah. and nobody talked about it 10 years earlier right 20 years earlier so so there are times when hollywood will hype something just as just just to just to be caustic and make news so keep that in mind um and and i think it's important for us to watch to go to these things and just say uh they overplayed that mm-hmm. or that christian organization overplayed that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because christian christian organizations do that yeah. or or they underplayed something else because there, there are more times than not, in my experience, that the stuff you should have focused on that was underplayed, mm-hmm. that, you know, do I address, you know, it, look, we get caught up in sex. Can I just mm-hmm. say that? And we miss out on things like there's one true God. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of things. Like we, yeah. You know, I, I would, I'm, I'm more concerned about the things that Hollywood says about the nature and character of God than I am about what they say about the nature and character of humanity. Yeah. And, and I think we miss a lot of that. So uh, I, I, would, I would go and watch it. The other thing is, again, you watch this entertainment stuff with your mind wide, with your mind clear and with principles in mind. So a couple of things that I've noticed is that there's two ways, especially with television shows, that people are ensnared. The one is what I call the um, the pilot with the pilot with every horrendous thing possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, where they are attempting to uh, where they are attempting to get in your face. I, I, I watched a pilot of a television show that I had watched for like 15 years, and in the pilot, um, the f- the pilot contains the first use of one of George Carlin's seven words you can't say on television, hmm. mm-hmm. and it was the first time it had been said on television hmm. in the pilot. And I'm like, "Oh, you've got to be kidding me!" Right? Um, what they were attempting to do is they were attempting to get in your face and make you watch the movie, be, watch the television show on a regular basis because they were going to go edgy. Right. And what you found is that the pilot is the last time that they got edgy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From, from there on, for the next 10 seasons, they were edgeless. Yeah. Yeah. And awesome. It was actually a good show. <laughs> right? The more concerning one is the soft pilot. Yeah, it starts off really warm and nice, and then really over time, warm and nice like once you're two or three sweet. seasons in and committed, yeah, right, right. Um, there was a there was a movie television show called Northern Exposure, mm-hmm. right. Everybody loved the pilot. By the time you got two or three seasons into Northern Exposure, it was disgusting, <laughs> and and it's just this, you know, be aware. You know, you sit down to watch television. And you want to be entertained, and you want it to be mindless, and it can't be. Are they going to be luring you someplace that you don't want to be? Mm-hmm. Or are they pushing your boundaries to see if they're, they'll break? Mm-hmm. And then you ask yourself the question about yourself. Right. Are my boundaries breakable? Because culture is downstream of faith. Mm-hmm. What are they saying about you and your faith? And what are they saying about where you think you should be because your faith is meaningless and their faith is better? Yeah, it's, it's important to filter that. And I think once you've done all of that, or you've, you've, you've I think it's our job to um, filter the things that we, pro- we view in this world always and know what's going on in them and be able to make like um, spiritual decisions on the things that we're being entertained by. And and I think, you know, if you can do that and process that and know, oh, I see what they're trying to do here. I caught you. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I'm just going to throw that out and I'm going to continue to enjoy the other 96% of this show or this movie that is really great. Right, right. That's fine. Right. That's great. Like, you, you caught it. 
you, you made a decision about it. Your, your strong foundation in scripture and in truth lets you know that that was something that was like, that was an error. And you can be like, okay, that thing was wrong, but everything else here I can appreciate and I can continue to enjoy this. But if you're watching something and over time, you're saying that percentage starts shifting. It's like, wow, like when I first watched this, like 96% of this was fine. Yeah. But now it's like 80% or now, like there's a lot in here. Like there's a lot in this show or there's a lot in this album. There's a lot, there's a lot in this magazine subscription that I've been reading or this newspaper <laughs> subscription that I have online. There's a lot in this that like when I started was really great and I'm noticing that less and less is great. And yeah. more and more often I am finding myself disagreeing with this and being troubled by this, listen to that Holy Spirit making you more troubled. accepting of what I'm reading. Yeah. Yeah. Allow yourself to be troubled by that. Yeah. And turn it off. There's other options. Yeah. So you, here's one last thought for me, okay? Yeah. Um, other than the fact that you and I don't know a single movie that was nominated for Best Picture this year, have you noticed in this conversation that we still know stuff. I mean, we had to look up Parasite, the South Korean movie, but we knew that there was the a movie from South Korea. I knew the Korea, movie, yeah. Right? Uh, we, we can tell you some movies that have won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. Um, the world is still going here, folks. And it's, it's actually good for the sake of being able to converse wisely and understandably for you to actually know what's going on in this stuff. Yeah. It's, it's okay to, uh, to watch the Marvel movies. It's okay to, to know who's going, what's going on in popular culture. It's okay to actually tune in your television once in a while and watch what these shows. It's okay to actually start watching an entire series and say, is this for me? And to identify... I, this is wholesome entertainment. This isn't wholesome entertainment. This, this is what violates my norms. Because there are people in your office that are going to have these conversations about these television shows. Like, like I have never watched um, The Doctor's Show, uh, Grey's Anatomy, mm-hmm. all right? Uh, I, I've never watched it. It was never interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But I know that there are conversations that go on in offices all around on the day after the Grey's Anatomy show shows. Yeah. Well, you know, believers, you can enter into that conversation. Yeah. Not as a, oh, I hate Grey's Anatomy. That That's just a terrible show. Maybe the thing is to point out maybe something good that happened, and at the same time, then you can turn it and say, but, you know, I don't like this relationship or this character or... It's, yeah, again, this, this takes discernment. It takes, uh, um, it takes a practiced ability. It's like, this is like one of those things that you practice over time and get better at. Like, it's kind of like going to the, the weight room. You know, when you first go in, you can't lift a whole lot of weight, but over time you can lift, move, you can move quite a bit around. Um, you start engaging in popular culture. Um, like a lot of, you know, our, our reference text is, you know, is Paul in Athens where he's, He's fluent in the poetry of the people he's speaking to. Yes. Um, and, and that has been used really well by believers and really poorly by believers. You know, you can use that to excuse um, being entertained by all of pop culture and never actually engaging with it. Well, it's cool. You know, Paul, Paul knew the poets in Athens, so I can watch this show. Well, have you done anything with it? Like, are you just being entertained by that? Or do you actually go into the marketplace and have engaging conversations because you knew this show better right. and you knew where they were going. Right. So that's the thing, like work on this muscle and, 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 and get better at being able to filter your entertainment and use it for the kingdom. Um, then allow the Holy Spirit to make you troubled when something is beyond hope. Yes. Right. Like yes. you don't have to be so committed to a show to use for the Lord that you, become overwhelmed by its gratuitousness. Um, you, can, you can be so troubled by something that you can turn it off, and that can be part of the conversation. But use what you're, felt, use what you're enjoying um, as another thing and another way to connect with a culture that needs to know Jesus. Right, absolutely. If you know what they're watching and you know what they're being entertained by and you have a working knowledge of it, 
um, that's a way for you to connect and share Jesus. Yes. Um, but don't just be a lazy consumer. Be, be active in this. Do something with it. Make it useful. Um, and, uh, and, and see what God does with your willingness to engage in what you're, in what you're being entertained by. Well, we're glad you jumped in with us today. It's kind of a wandering conversation today, but maybe it's some, maybe something triggered a thought for you, or maybe, maybe you have plans to go see one of these Oscar winners, and you're like, oh, there's actually great stuff in here, and let me tell you about it. That's great. Share it with us. We'd love to learn more about that. We may end up watching some of these movies later on and say, oh, that was actually really good. We just didn't know about it. Um, but yeah, um, th- we appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we'll uh, see you back here next week. Bye, everyone. You have been listening to Inside the Pastor Study Podcast with Pastors George and Jeremy Stevens. Artwork by Caitlin Gallagher, music by San Demetrius, and engineering help from Ashley Gallagher. To find out more about us, head to marshcorner.com.